Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. The House is in for a busy week, headlined by a bill to impose sanctions on Turkish officials and a resolution affirming U.S. condemnation of the Ottoman Empire slaughter of one and a half million Armenians during and after World War I. This is Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Sarah Babbage. Also on the docket this week are a slate of health bills related to drug price transparency and the health workforce. But our focus today is going to be on that resolution and events widely known as the Armenian Genocide, which is the name that Turkey disputes. Here to discuss are BGov legislative analyst Noreen Chowdhury. Hi. And congressional reporter Emily Wilkins. Hello. Before we dive into the policy debate, uh, Emily, can you tell any listeners who aren't familiar what happened? What are we talking about here? Sure. So we're going back to World War I, uh, 1915. Uh, in the Ottoman Empire, which is now modern day Turkey, back then it was the Ottoman Empire. And during World War I, they began targeting Armenians in the area. There were rapings, there were beatings, they were chasing people out of their homes. In the end, an estimated 1.5 million Armenians died. And the it is, it is still sort of been a battle for to get major countries to recognize that this was a genocide. And there is some debate whether or not it was a genocide, but a lot of historians say that this does meet the criteria for being one. So just to add to what Emily said, uh, the genocide was also against Greeks and other Christian groups. 1915 was obviously a, a long time ago. It sounds like this matter is still disputed if Turkey is unwilling to call it a genocide. But why is this coming to the forefront now? They've been trying to bring this resolution to the floor for at least 30 years, if not a little bit more than that. This has always been a pretty contentious issue. The U.S. and Turkey are allies. Where Turkey is a NATO member. The idea is that we don't want to go around upsetting our allies. However, after we removed our troops from Syria and we saw Turkey go and attack our ally, the Kurds, People on Capitol Hill aren't very big fans of Turkey right now, and so this was an opportunity to bring up this measure without having to worry so much about the U.S.-Turkey relationship. So Noreen, what's in the measure? This non-binding resolution introduced by Rep. Adam Schiff would commemorate the Armenian genocide through official recognition and remembrance. And the U.S. up until now has um, recognized the genocide through presidential statements memorializing the events. The official recognition would be the first part. The second would um, it would reject any efforts to associate the U.S. government with denial of the genocide or any other genocides. And finally, the measure would um, try to raise public awareness of the genocide and its relevance to modern-day mass atrocities. And Emily, are there specific lawmakers who have been pushing for this? You said it's been going on for like decades now. There are lawmakers of both parties, but we've primarily seen lawmakers from California, which has a large Armenian population, who go ahead and push for this bill. Um, you've seen Nancy Pelosi, you've seen Adam Schiff, um, you've seen Brad Sherman. Uh, actually, earlier this year, uh, Congresswoman Jackie Speer from California tried to start a Twitter campaign to get Kim Kardashian, who is an Armenian, to speak up and try and talk to the president about recognizing the Armenian genocide. Are there lawmakers on Capitol Hill who are opposing this, or, or what is the argument against this? 
So the main argument right now against it is that there is a ceasefire that has been negotiated between the U.S. and Turkey, and there is concern that if this resolution passes, that Turkey might not want to keep that ceasefire in place. I spoke with Representative Steve Watkins from Kansas, who has a very interesting story. As a government contractor, he was actually in the Middle East with the Kurds, and he's very, very concerned about what's happening to them now. But at the same point, he's very worried that if they wind up passing this resolution, that they might even be in, be in for even more trouble if the ceasefire were to end. Because this is a resolution not targeting the Kurds, certainly, just focused on calling what happened to the Armenians a genocide. Right. But Turkey is not a fan of this resolution. You have seen in the past when the House has come close to approving or passing such a resolution, they've yanked their ambassadors. They've, you know, they're not fans of this. And right now, we need them to keep honoring and agreeing to the ceasefire. Yeah, and just to add to what Emily said, Turkey has also said that um, resolutions such as these would, you know, affect how um, the reconciliation efforts between Turkey and Armenia. So this is a, as Noreen said, a non-binding resolution only in the House. Once it, it, if the House adopts it, that's it. It doesn't go to the Senate. It doesn't go to the President. Um, there is a bill, however, focused more explicitly on Turkey that targets officials there with sanctions. Noreen, can you tell us about that one? Right. So this bill was introduced by the House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman, um, Elliot Engel, and it was initially supposed to be considered under the rules process, but now has is being considered under suspension of the rules, um, So, which signals that the House will likely pass it. Um, it's largely a response to um, Turkey's military action in northern Syria and President Trump's decision to withdraw the troops from there, um, and effectively abandoning the Kurdish-led Syrian Democratic Forces, which have, you know, supported the U.S. against the fight um, against ISIS. So first, the bill includes uh, several sets of sanctions against Turkish officials, entities that are linked to the military operations, or any sort of human rights violations there. And uh, second, it would uh, bar arms transfers to Turkish armed forces. It also, aside from the sanctions and restrictions, it places several directives on the administration. So for example, the Defense Department would have to submit a plan about how it would um, keep um, ISIS detainees and their families in custody. And finally, the State Department would also have to submit a strategy um, on how it would prevent the resurgence of um, ISIS in Iraq or and Syria. There are also some provisions in the Turkey sanctions bill related to um, giving potential immigration status to some Kurds. Is that correct? Right. So the bill would designate the Syrian Kurds and other Syrians who've um, worked with the U.S. in Syria for at least a year or um, have immediate family in the U.S. to attain what's known as the um, uh, Refugees as Special Humanitarian Concern designation. And this would allow those groups to uh, have the opportunity to apply for admission to the U.S. as a refugee. What are the prospects of this bill? Unlike the, the House resolution on the Armenian genocide, uh, this would have to go through the Senate and to the president. Do we know the prospects? Well, we know that in the Senate, um, it's uncertain if it would come to a vote. Um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said that he's has been clear about the fact that he does not want to have any measure that imposes actions against a NATO ally but it's likely to pass in the House. 
And I will say that, if I can add quickly, yeah. Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, as well as some other senators, I believe Chris Van Hollen of Maryland, they are working together to put together a sanctions bill. And they are hoping to gain Senate support for it and to eventually have that bill that they'd like to see it pass in the Senate and they'd like to reconcile it with the House. But you're absolutely right. Senator McConnell has sort of indicated that that probably is not going to happen. One thing I think is going to be really interesting to watch is the forthcoming National Defense Authorization Act um, and any kind of provisions in there that might uh, relate to the U.S. in and its role in the Middle East, um, the drawdown in Syria, and um, the kind of backing off support for the Kurds. And we heard last week that there's going to be a skinny NDAA coming shortly. So um, it'll be interesting to see if any of these provisions or something related to them get tucked into that. And a tease for listeners, we should have more on that in an upcoming episode. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Emily Wilkins is a reporter covering Congress at Bloomberg Government, where Noreen Chowdhury is a legislative analyst. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. That's our show. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.begov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Schenk. Theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the U.S. doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And Is mining really better down where it's wetter? Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.